Welcome to I Don't Need an Acting Class with Milton Justice. I was looking at JP's audition um, the other day. I I realized something major. There was something wrong with it to begin with. Uh, And I talked to him about it at the very, very beginning. You think they just let somebody in? You think, um, what do you think? That they just said, no, we don't need the alarm system. Let's just deactivate it and let whoever this guy is with a gun in or these guys. I mean, you know, my wife and daughter wouldn't go quietly. There would be signs of struggle. There would be, there would be signs of forced entry. I mean, we've got, we've we got a place locked down. I have multiple gun safes. We got protocols. We have redundancies. There's no way that they would have let anybody in that they didn't know. Okay. And you brought up the same thing, Amanda, as a problem with yours. Here's the problem. And I realized it was a problem, and and I called him, and we were on the phone for quite a while about it yesterday. He has invented a lot of plot points that he hasn't earned. And it means he's lying. I mean, we've got protocols, and they wouldn't let anybody in, and they went, I mean, he's drowning in plots that don't exist because he hasn't worked on them. He hasn't worked to make them believable. And so what happens is when you start lying before you even start the scene, then the whole scene is based in a lie. And and so that's really the issue. And it really goes back to, James, what you were talking about that you discovered while reading Stella's book and the relationship to doing exercises like something I love and something I hate. The purpose of doing the exercise like something I love and something I hate is twofold. Well, probably more, but for, for purposes of discussion at the moment. One is that I believe everything that I see, that I talk about. That's the reason that I stopped you when you started doing plots about having to drive your father. That's the reason why I stopped you when you when you had all when you were doing plots about whatever and the sister and having to take care and all of that sort of thing. It, it's also dangerous because you assume because it's true that you don't have to do the work, uh, which is another thing. I mean, it, it's a it's a very odd thing. It's a reason it's so much easier to do something that's not from your own life is because you still have to do the work. But the, the, the issue, and look, the, the issue that you noticed in Stella's notes on Golden Boy is that Everything needs to agitate you. Everything needs to activate you. Everything needs to bring you to life. So it means that 
any plot you take needs to bring you to life. And if you take it from your own life, which you're welcome to do, especially in this exercise, it's exactly the same thing. And what JP was doing in his audition was he was trying to justify the plot. And it's not about the plot, by the way. I mean, we talked about it a little bit. It was an, it, but he just, he just, he leapt too quickly. And so he was trying to, he said, and so I need this particular plot. And so I need to figure out how they, it was possible that they got kidnapped, which was not so much what the scene was about. The scene was about who kidnapped them, not how they got kidnapped. Uh, one of the things that I find consistently about these parts on series, I think his is for a, an audition for, oh, SWAT. But these one episode pl plots, there's a, it's, there's a lot of exposition. SWAT has to do something. You know, the SWAT team has to do something and they need a plot in order to do it. So somebody who's hired for one episode is that plot. And at some particular point, they have to explain why they're that plot. And so, uh, and these, these really tedious scenes that are all about revealing the plot. So now we have to figure out why, why did we arrest this guy? Why did he come in? Oh, because of this plot. Anyway. But the fact of the matter is, it's complicated doing this. He chose the wrong thing for it to be about. But then he began justifying it. He began justifying it with a bunch of other plots, none of which he earned. You know, you can't just say, my, you know, my wife can take care of herself. Like when? Yeah, yeah exactly. You have to get to like when. And you can't just say that. And also, it's not just that you can't say it. It's a missed opportunity. It's, it's, it becomes a missed opportunity when you don't build it. Building truthfully so that it feeds you, so that it brings you to life, so that it agitates you. What was the other thing Stella said? I really must read those books someday. I gotta look it up. Uh, yeah, but the, the main thing I, I got was that it's not enough to understand that it has to agitate you. Um, don't bring it up. Yes, I want to activate and agitate myself until I know this boy, know what he went through. I want to be, if you build him up intellectually, you will be able to write a good paper about the golden boy, but you will not be able to act him and you won't get the part. I just love when she says stuff like that. But that's really the issue. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. 
Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Okay, so now, all right, now we add the advanced work making kick-ass choices. And you have to push yourself. Did I tell you all about the final exam for my stage combat class in college? Okay. Stage combat? So when I was in drama school, when I was at, we had a class in stage combat. And so the first part of the class, like the first week, two weeks, six weeks, maybe. I can't remember. I think the semesters were maybe 12 weeks, 14 weeks. Anyway, the first half was fencing. And so we all learned how to fence. Obviously, this was going to be helpful should I ever play Hamlet. Okay, so that was the first part. But then the second part, we started to learn very, very specific things like a stage slap, a stage punch, being punched in the gut, falling off a chair, falling off a table, falling downstairs, for our final project in stage combat, we had to do as many of the skills as we had learned. So my friend Jack Hefner and I teamed up and we were trying to figure, so what do we want to do with this? And so we both decided to dress in tuxedos as if the two of us were having a dinner party. And so we were very prop heavy. And so we had a, a tablecloth on the school prop table. And I'm feel, I think we probably, I'm sure I took my mother's candelabra. Uh, you know, my poor parents never could keep anything because it, they were always props. It started, the two of us are sitting there with each other in their tuxedos. And Jack said to me, pass the butter. And I got up with a stick of butter to drop on his plate. However, I hadn't planned it, but rather than plopping down flat on the plate, it stopped on its end and stood straight up. And Jack, who would eventually write comedy, paused, took a beat, and then said, well, that's the most exciting thing we've had around here in months. Okay, that actually, I, I mean, of course, then suddenly the whole scene made sense totally by accident, but what we had choreographed is after he said that, I took my hand and slapped it across his face, and the chair went back, and he he fell, then he got up and threw me across the table. But you see what I mean? We, what we did was to take all the skills we'd learned and do something besides minimum. And, and that, in other words, we were trying to find a really interesting way to do it. And that's what we came up with. After it was over, our drama teacher said, 
It was like a dinner party between Oscar Wilde and Noel Coward. And <laughs> which, uh, and of, of course, this is this is years this is years before videotape. But my God, I'd love to look back on that because I mean, you know, at the time it was Jack and I were like nineteen, eighteen, nineteen years old, and these these two kids. But you know what I mean? It, it's like the next step of all of this really is shopping for choices. I mean, when Stella said, you know, don't shop at Kmart, there's a Tiffany at 57th and 5th, it, she was really saying, don't shop cheap. And, and look, it is difficult for a while, but you get used to it. And I, when I say that, I mean, yes, I was surrounded by people who were always pushing us to be brilliant. I, I mean, you know, the people I went to college with, I was really unexceptional. Jack wrote the play that became the longest-running play in off-Broadway history. Beth Hendley won a Pulitzer Prize for Crimes of the Heart. John Arnone won a Tony Award for the set design of The Who's Tommy. Um, Kathy Bates also won an Oscar. I mean, it's like these were the people I went to college with. So, you know, you didn't mess around. The thing is, you, you know, you challenge yourself. You challenge yourself to do it. You, you know, you challenge yourself to be just a little bit smarter. I mean, the truth is I directed some nice things. I mean, this is back, you know... This is where you illegally, you know, got, because there weren't a lot of scripts out there, but you illegally would record the first act of the musical uh, Apple Tree, which was the diary of Adam and Eve, bring it back to college, transcribe it, and then my friend Worth listened to the album and copied the music. And that was my senior project, uh, was the first act of Apple Tree. We all had to be very resourceful. But, but it would follow on. I, I, I said in the email I sent, Stella didn't choose scenes for us. You know, no, I, I, that's later. I, it's like, you know, suddenly later in a scene study class, scene study teachers assigned scenes. That never happened. We had to find monologues. We had to find scenes. We went to plays. Really, seriously, when I said to you, to this day, I will sit in a play and there'll be two characters on stage and I'll think, hmm, oh, that'd be a good scene. I mean, it's like I can't see a play. I can only see something for scene study class. So... I mean, you know, one of the best things that ever happened to me is that I became a, a, a producer in New York, and so I got to see plays before anybody else did. I mean, when I brought in a monologue from a Tennessee Williams play to Stella's class, it's because I was producing it and nobody had ever seen it before. And so I was, do, you know, and I said, so Stella said, oh, goodness. Yes, I said, this uh, Milton will be doing a, a monologue from Vuka Ray by Tennessee Williams. And she sort of looked, you know, she didn't even know the play existed. 
we were always looking for something. It's like we, we wanted to be outstanding. So I, I just, I mean, I point it out because it's part of it. We can be functional, but what we want to do is say, okay, and that's a reason, you know, it's a, an exaggeration, but it's the reason I will say the reason that your first choice is a cliche, it's, it's just, it's not necessarily a cliche, but it's just not that interesting. Because you just came up with it. Now, eventually it does become interesting. I still think what I gave Annabelle for the line, what's on the menu tonight, Kristen? When I said to her, Kristen was the head chef, and I said, um, she was supposed to get laid last night. I mean, I, I, when I thought of that, I thought, God, I love that. I keep bringing it up. It's like one of the best choices I've made in years. The idea that you take a boring line of dialogue, like what's on the menu tonight, Kristen, but because you add the th choice to it that she was supposed to get laid last night, then all of a sudden it gives you something. It is the reason I like all this boring TV dialogue. It's because they give you lines like what's on the menu tonight, Kristen because they think writing is real talk. And so you're stuck as actors making real talk interesting. But the reason I like it is because that's fun. I Don't Need an Acting Class is hosted by Milton Justice and produced by Walker Vreeland. Music is by Jeffrey Keezer and Nicholas Gabrielson. If you want more I Don't Need an Acting Class, we encourage you to sign up for our bonus content on Spotify. You'll get access to all bonus episodes, including video episodes. Also check out our website, I Don't Need an Acting Class.com, where you can find more info about the podcast, the book. Uh, you can find emails that Milton has written to students over the last 15 years. And of course, you can get all of our latest news about upcoming classes. Wishing you the best for 2024. We are just so grateful to have you here as part of this worldwide acting community that you have helped us build. Uh, if you ever have a question for Milton, he loves hearing from all of you. Uh, just send us an email, questionsformilton at gmail.com. Have a wonderful week, and we'll see you back here next Tuesday.